Crime in modern Britain. As Britain has developed and changed since 1900, criminals have found new and different ways of committing old crimes against the person, property and authority. Some modern crimes may seem to show change from those committed in the past, but there is a lot of continuity too. For example, theft has always been a common crime, however computers and modern transport have created new ways to steal. Violent crimes are nothing new either, but the weapons used in violent acts have changed. Other crimes that are sometimes seen as new are often simply new versions of older crimes, such as drink driving, as it was illegal to drive a horse-drawn car while drunk. It was made illegal in 1872. Cybercrime. Most cybercrimes, crime committed over the internet, are new versions of old crimes. For example, online theft, fraud, deceiving someone to get money, or extortion, using threats to get money from someone. What is, the new, what is new is the scale as thousands of people can be targeted at once online and perpetrators of cybercrime can be overseas which causes new problems for the police. However, the crimes are still the old crimes. Smuggling. Smuggling legal and illegal items without paying tax has happened for centuries. In modern Britain, goods such as cigarettes, alcohol and illegal drugs are smuggled into the country. There also has been a growth in people trafficking, smuggling people into the country illegally and selling them for prostitution and forced labour or in exchange for a fee. As in the past, some types of smuggling, such as smuggling cigarettes and alcohol, are seen as less serious crimes. Terrorism. Terrorism is not new, but modern weapons, transport and communications mean that more ordinary people are at risk, though the risk is extremely low. On the 7th of July 2005, four suicide bombers who claimed to be members of the Al-Qaeda attacked central London. Three bombs went off on an underground train and one on a bus. 52 people were killed and around 770 injured. However, this was not new. The gunpowder plot is an example of terrorism. New crimes in modern Britain. Some genuinely new crimes have emerged since 1900. This is due to factors including changing social attitudes such as race crimes and crimes related to modern technology such as computer hacking. Changing society. In the 20th century, Britain developed into a society that was multicultural, containing people of different races and religions, more equal as the position of women changed. As attitudes changed, new laws were needed to ensure that all people were treated fairly and equally. Similarly, some activities that had previously been illegal were decriminalised. The Timeline of New Crimes In 1967, the Abortion Act was passed, which decriminalised abortion in certain situations. In 1967, the Sexual Offences Act was passed, which decriminalised homosexuality for men over 21. Race and Relations Act. This act made it illegal to discriminate against someone because of their race or ethnicity. 2005, Criminal Justice Act. This allowed more severe sentences for hate crimes against gay people or because of someone's race or religion. In 2006, the Racial and Religious Hatred Act was passed, which made spreading racial or religious hate a crime. As in the past, new laws have been passed to deal with new crimes. Public pressure contributes towards making governments act to make these laws. Race crime. 
1968 Race Relations Act and the 2006 Racial and Religious Hatred Act both made certain acts race crimes. However, the Criminal Justice Act of 2005 gave criminal courts the power to give more severe sentences for other crimes, such as an as assault or murder, if they are classed as hate crimes. In other words, if a crime is committed against someone because of their race, religion or sexuality, the criminal can receive harsher punishments than if the crime was committed for another reason. Drug crimes. Since the introduction of the Misuse of Drugs Act in 1971, taking or supplying some substances has been illegal in the UK. Drugs are classified according to how dangerous they are perceived to be. The criminalisation of drugs is controversial. Some think, some think it's important for some drugs to be illegal, to clarify that taking them is wrong, while others believe that drug taking is a personal choice. Driving offences. Many driving crimes are totally new due to the huge number of vehicles on today's roads and the technological advances in modern transport. For example, driving while under the influence of drugs, driving without insurance, an MOT certificate or a valid driving licence, speeding, ignoring traffic lights, road signs, etc., and driving whilst using a mobile phone. Law enforcement in modern Britain. Modern law enforcement continues to be a mixture of community-run and authority-based schemes, but it is the authorities in the form of the police that take on the greater role in solving and preventing crime. Changes in policing. Much of modern policing is about preventing crime as well as catching criminals. The police work with different forces and other agencies across the UK and worldwide. Motorised transport means that police can reach crimes faster. However, it also means fewer police officers on the streets, which some people don't like. Some police officers are now armed and look more like soldiers, which not everybody supports. And the modern police force includes women and officers from different ethnic groups. Examples of special police units. Changes in technology and in the challenges police face have resulted in the development of specialisation to tackle specific types of crime. Some police officers specialise in dealing with certain crimes, such as rape, and specialist units have been set up, including the National Crimes Agency, or the NCA. This seeks to detect and prevent serious organised crime, including large-scale drug trafficking. The Economic Crime Unit investigates large-scale fraud, officers require specialist understanding of financial systems. The Police Central E-Crime Unit, the PCEU, this tackles most serious crimes of cybercrime and raises awareness on e-safety. And a special branch, each local force has a special branch which aims to prevent all forms of terrorism. Neighbourhood Watch. From 1982, Neighbourhood Watch groups have used volunteers to help prevent and detect crime in their neighbourhood. The idea was to increase vigilance and education to prevent crime, as well as reduce the fear of crime. It has met with varying degrees of success. The move towards prevention. Much of modern police policy is about preventing crime as well as catching criminals. Police Community Support Officers, PCSOs, were introduced in 2002 to try to prevent crime in their communities. The police work with schools and community groups such as Neighbourhood Watch to educate people to help protect themselves and their property. The police also play a major role in the government's prevent programme, which aims to challenge extremism and radicalisation. 
Use of science and technology. Rapid advances in technology have had a big impact on preventing, discovering and prosecuting crime since 1900. Some of these include radios, DNA evidence, CCTV, computers, cars, motorbikes and helicopters and fingerprinting. Punishment in modern Britain. Methods of punishment in modern Britain are more diverse than ever before and there has been considerable changes since 1900. Abolition of the death penalty. Capital punishment was last used in 1964. It was completely abolished in 1999 because ideas about punishment continue to change. Reform and paying back society were now considered more important. Controversial, controversial cases in the 1950s including Timothy Evans, Derek Bentley and Ruth Ellis, led people to question the use of capital punishment. Controversial cases. Timothy Evans was hanged for murdering his wife and baby. Later, evidence proved that he didn't do it. In 1953, Derek Bentley was hanged for murdering a policeman, even though he didn't fire the gun and had serious learning difficulties. In 1955, Ruth Ellis was hanged for murdering her boyfriend after he had violently abused her for years. Prison. The use of prison as a punishment continued to increase after 1900, with many changes. Different prisons cater for different types of criminals. For example, there are open prisons where prisoners are not locked up in cells, and at the other extreme, high security prisons, where prisoners are kept in cells away from other inmates for most of the day. Since 1907, prisoners have re been released on probation. They are watched by probation officers and put back in prison if they re-offend. In 1948, hard labour and corporal punishments in prisons were abolished. Separate prisons have been established for young people. Borstals were set up in the early 1900s. They used work and education to try and reduce re-offending rates. Today's young offenders institutions have high re-offending rates. There has been a recent rise in female prisoners, although still only 6% of all prisoners are women. Women and men's prisons differ. For example, women can spend more time with their children. New punishments. New types of punishments have developed in the last two decades as non-custodial alternatives to the prison. This means people are punished for their crime but not kept in prison. Community sentences. They work on community projects, for example and antisocial behaviour orders and electronic tagging. Rehabilitation. Prisons in the 1800s used to punish criminals to discourage them from reoffending on release. Prisons today try to reduce reoffending rates through education and giving prisoners work that teaches them new skills. However, they have mixed successes rates and the general public do not always support what can be, be portrayed as holiday camp prisons. Conscientious objectors. Conscientious objectors are people who have religious, moral or political objections to war. For a short time in the 20th century, conscientious objection became a, became a crime. Conscription. Conscription is a law that states everyone who is asked to and who is fit and healthy has to fight in the armed forces. Therefore, anyone who was conscripted but then refused to fight would be committing a crime. Conscription laws were introduced twice in Britain during the First and Second World Wars. In both cases, conscientious objectors had to make their objections known to the authorities and then, when, and then tried by tribunals who judged whether their objections were genuine.
Attitudes to conscientious objectors. The punishment and treatment of conscientious objectors by the authorities was very different in the two world wars. This shows how people in the authority changed and their attitude. However, the attitude of the general public and treatment of conscientious objectors was fairly similar in both instances. This was probably because most people felt they and their families were making great sacrifices that others should too. Different treatment by the authorities. In the First World War, conscription for men was from 1916. A clause in law excused conscientious objectors. About 16,000 men refused to fight. Military tribunals were made up of military officers and professionals decided if the CO was genuine. Only 400 were given a total exemption on ground of conscience. Alternativists were given non-combat roles. Absolutists were imprisoned, given brutal treatment and hard labour. Ten died in prison, 63 died after release and 31 had breakdowns. However, in the Second World War it was slightly different. Conscription from April 1939 for men from December 1941 for women. A clause in law excused conscientious objectors still and over 59,000 men and women refused to fight. Tribunals minus military people judged if CO was genuine so there was no military people at the tribunal. All except 12,204 were given complete or partial exemption. Those with partial exemption were given non-combat roles. A far smaller percentage of those not given exemption were sent to prison and then and those who did were not treated as harshly. Similar treatment during both world wars by the general public. During both world wars, many members of the general public thought of conscientious objectors as cowards and traitors. Some CEOs were shouted at in the streets and were even physically abused. They and their families would be at risk of being shunned by former friends. Many found it hard to get work and some even dismissed from their jobs. However, there were some differences. The press were less harsh and there were fewer organised campaigns against conscientious objectors in the Second World War. During the First World War, the organisation, the Order of the White Feather, encouraged women to hand out white feathers, symbolising cowardice to young men not in military uniforms. The Derek Bentley case. In 1953, Derek Bentley was hanged for murder. He was one of several controversial executions that played a part in the the decline of the death penalty and the decision to abolish it. The case of Derek Bentley. Derek Bentley, aged 19, had a learning disability and a mental age of 10. He and his friend Christopher Craig, aged 16, decided to burgle a warehouse. The police arrived when they were on the roof, so there was no escape. Bentley was detained by DC Fairfax. Craig had a knife and a gun and shot DC Fairfax in the shoulder. According to Fairfax and two other policemen, Bentley later shouted, Let him have it, Chris before Craig shot and killed PC Sidney Miles. When Craig ran out of bullets, he jumped off the roof and broke his back. Bentley stayed with the injured DC Fairfax. Both Bentley and Craig were tried and convicted of murder. Craig was sentenced to a long prison term as he was under 18, and Bentley was sentenced to death by hanging. After a failed appeal hearing, he was hanged on the 28th of January 1953. Public and Parliamentary Opinion 
There was a huge public outcry against the sentence at the time. A motion in Parliament to reprieve Bentley was supported by 200 MPs, but it was never debated in Parliament. The Home Secretary could have reprieved Bentley, as many others had been reprieved before, but chose not to. The case Bentley received a lot of media coverage. Most sympathetic to Bentley's cause, Derek Bentley's family continued to campaign after his death. He was pardoned in 1993, and in 1998, his conviction was for murder was overturned. The significance of the Derek Bentley case. It highlighted the vast differences in punishment for murder, as some were hanged while others were reprieved and given prison sentences. It illustrated how the system of Home Secretary reprieving murderers from hanging was a lottery. It combined with other controversial cases... It increased the number of people who were critical of the death penalty and as, as a fair punishment. The Metropolitan Police Force The Metropolitan Police Force, otherwise known as the Met, was a government-directed police force, policing the whole of London, except for the City of London, which had its own. There, were needed, there needed to be cooperation between the Met and the City of London force when crimes occurred on the borders. Police recruits for the Met most came from outside London and were attracted by the relatively good pay. Some had been soldiers, but most had backgrounds in labouring of farm work. There were some problems with absenteeism and drinking on the job. By 1885, the Met totaled just 13,319 to police a population of over 5 million people. Only 1,383 were on duty at the time. Unlike other police forces, the Met was directly under the control of the Home Secretary. He appointed a commissioner to run the Metropolitan Police. The government wanted to direct control of London's police force as it was worried about socialists and anarchists in some areas of London, such as Whitechapel. The Beat Constable. A major aim of the Met was to prevent crime. Its main way of doing this was to deploy constables on the beat, patrolling a set route of streets to deter criminals from committing crime asking people what they were doing and to break up fights and arrest suspects. Development of the CID. The Criminal Investigation Department, otherwise known as the CID of the Met, was set up in 1878. There had been a department to detect crime before this, but it was quite ineffective. Those in the CID to detect crime were therefore separate from the rest of the force to prevent crime, which clarified the roles of each. Initially, the CID had little success, as shown by the investigation into the murders committed by Jack the Ripper in Whitechapel. Commissioner Sir Charles Warren Warren, a former army general, was appointed Met Commissioner in 1886. Warren banned a planned unemployment protest in Trafalgar Square on the 13th of November 1887. When the protesters ignored the ban, he deployed thousands of police, supported by about a thousand men from the army. Violent clashes followed. Many people were injured, injured and one protester later died. Warren directed the operation from horseback. When Jack the Ripper struck in the autumn of 1888 in Whitechapel, Warren ordered an increase in patrols. Failure to catch the murderer cost Warren his job. Attitudes towards the police. Attitudes wa varied widely. The police still had a pe people's trust in some areas, but events such as the Trafalgar Square riot of 1887 contributed to the feeling held by many working class people that the police were against them and only worked for the middle and upper classes. The economic depression and, and ensuing poverty of the period contributed to the hatred of the police.